Mavine, a contemporary ghost story written and narrated by Roy Baldwin. Chapter 8 Inside the garden centre was the moment. Victoria thought he became serious. Serious about the woman in the purple shawl, because he believed everything without question when she had told him all she knew and had happened. That she wasn't going completely stark raving crazy was falling away. A huge relief, like water off the scales of the big oily fish she peered at wondrously every Saturday in Rotterdam Market. And maybe he was getting a little serious about her too, which upbraided her insides with a thick bead of frisson she wanted to cling on to, perhaps for the first time in her life. And he did seriously amuse her when he said with the straightest of faces that the good news was she finally approved. Sorry, Julian, she replied loudly, having a distinctly odd memory crackle of the wife at home she hadn't quite heard him tell her about. Who was approved what? Her, of course, approved of. Well, you're blushing out with it. Me kissing you. You said she grinned. Victoria laughed so hard, she grabbed a bottle of water and downed a large swig, at last seeing the funny side of her new ethereal friend, not only giving the thumbs up to a diet of fish, chips and peas, but also the new man of the moment. Gosh, Abby has a ghostly competitor. But pity she can't speak, as there was a lot of to catch up on, like a hundred years of gossip. He took off his glasses again and rubbed them gently on his scarf, which she also noticed was a pale purple red and grinned, obviously embarrassed despite his world-weary 53 years of vast experience. I don't usually make women laugh so much. My peculiar sense of humour, Julian, she grinned back, seeing that twinkle again in his eyes, now the specks were off. But actually, as her scientific brain began to kick in, one important logical conclusion overrode the flippancy. And she was not usually flippant either, far too serious a woman about town. If both of them were having, well, experiences, then both of them must hold the key to identifying the reason in the first place. And they both did need to work together and pool brain resources. His agile historic research mind was more than fortuitous. For whatever reason, it was an integral part of the whole thing. Now she had to get him off the banter and onto that research. But where to start? Although from the expression in his eyes and the way he gripped her hand again on the table, he didn't seem an unwilling participant. Julian, tell me how we can find out more facts, figures and data so we can get to the bottom of the hypothesis of what has triggered these appearances. He pondered with his serious academic frown and quaint air of disassociation with reality. Well, he was a writer, so that had to be forgiven today. I suggest a three-pronged pitchfork plan of action. Inside the house there may be evidence in those papers you found, and possibly other things around. We haven't even looked yet. Secondly, local information, parish records, births, marriages and deaths, census data, old newspaper cuttings, that sort of thing. Lastly, tapping the living. 
This whole enterprise was kick-started with meeting your Auntie Evelyn. There may be other elderly people in the area who know things, have memories which with a jock could bring out a gem of information. Well, I have to say, my initial scepticism of pitchfork business planning, not on my known list of management speak, has evaporated as quickly as the aniline. I like it, but... She sighed. There is so much work to be done on the place if I want to live in it for the next year. Not as much as you might have thought from a more experienced eye. The place is fundamentally looking very sound. What I couldn't smell anywhere was the death rattle of wet and dry rot, just a couple of patches of damp. Despite the reclusiveness of your Uncle William, he had made some effort into ensuring Orsbrick Hall itself was well maintained. The internal decoration is pretty good. Not sure about that green office carpeting downstairs where he lived, although there seemed to be a lot of nicely polished boards elsewhere. No, once we get the window protectors off, Orsbrick it will start to look magical, believe me. Do you really want to live there for the next 12 months? She hadn't meant to say that, kicking herself, but she liked the we, and he seemed remarkably incentivized. You know just how to cheer a girl up, don't you? After another quiet and serious lull, he continued in a deeper voice. Actually, Victoria, there is something I want from you. She looked up from her carrot cake, wide-eyed. This guy certainly moves along fast, her brain running extracurricular ideas in rapid succession, none of which she could even tell Abby, let alone him. Hmm, well, hmm. If I can help you, and I think I must, can I sort of use the rights from the experience to write up as my next steampunk novel? I'll dress it up a bit, you know, maintaining anonymity and all that, but I can sense a rare opportunity to turn real history into green fiction. Why not? Absolutely, Julian. Love it. Uh, is that all? Of course, he replied pulling at his scarf, suddenly jammed in the table leg and around his neck. What else would I want? She smiled. Excellent. His brawn and brains and no distractions, at least not yet. Shall we head off to the pub and celebrate? It's nearly six o'clock, but where to go around here? She ventured, still feeling peckish. I know a place in Ormskirk, actually, if you fancy. Not been for years. But they used to do a mean gammon and fried egg, and on the canal too, the Red Lion. Let's go then, she replied jauntily, rather liking the canal setting concept. Getting out in the car park, they were amazed how full it was, having taken the last space, just with the beast. Boat people and their horses certainly took far less room up in those days. Sauntering into the 200 year old building, they could see a melee of happy hour drinkers lining the bar, noticing that a folk group was on later as well. But she liked pubs like that too, reminding her of home. Rotterdam? Or was that actually home? Lots of pitchforking to think about. He hung a jacket up on an elephant multi-tusk coat stand and they sat down. My turn for drinks and I'll get a menu, she said, and glanced over at the bar. Oh my God, I don't believe it. It just can't be, Julian, not here. Who, what? It isn't, you know, her again, is it?
She has a habit of popping up in eateries, he replied, looking there nervously. No, no, the guy serving behind the bar. He is the absolute spitting image of my solicitor, Linton Gray. Oh gosh, I forgot to phone Abby, like I said. She grabbed her phone and dialed, but it rang and rang, and then went on to the voicemail. Hi, it's Abby. Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm very preoccupied right now. Leave a message and I'll love to get back to you. I bet. Where are you, Chuck? She answered. I'll try later. She turned to Julian. Now I'm going to ask that guy if he's got a twin brother. I think I'd better just come with you, Victoria. They threaded their way towards the busy bar, shoving through a noisy crowd of bearded, hairy bikers with matching moles, and finally reached the counter. The barman looked up casually from washing a couple of beer glasses and eyed her up and down. What can I get you? Two of those Belgian lagers, please, she replied, pointing to the real ale pumps. And can I ask, do you by any chance have a twin brother? Seeing Julian looking distinctly uncomfortable next to her. Unfortunately, the rest of the bar, barman and half the pub, became distracted as they all turned to the sight of a scantily clad female dressed in a tight apron, waltzing in with a tray of food, followed immediately by a loud and familiar voice. Kebabs, anyone? She then turned, completely incredulous, to see Abby, speeding towards them, her tray masterfully balanced in the air. She looked back to the barman, who was laughing uproariously at her face, and then said, I'm sorry, Victoria, I can't keep this up any longer. No twin brother, the real thing. Welcome to my inn. And to my guest chef for tonight, especially as the regular cook is off sick and the place is heaving, as you can see, Abby added. And I assume, Vicky, this is Julian? She cooed flirtatiously, shoving her tray of hot food in front of his nose, his glasses instantly steaming up. Aye, Julian, you look like a man who likes to wrap his mouth around a tender chunk of meat. Have one on the house? Uh, hi, yes, please, mmm, delicious, he replied enthusiastically. Victoria completely dumbfounded and open-mouthed, watching as he began to guzzle down the kebab, whilst the other staff began serving everyone else again. Linton very slowly and meticulously poured out their lagers, and the waitress came and started handing out the kebabs to everyone. Julian, this is Linton Gray, my solicitor, or at least I thought he was, and, and Abby, my friend, has already introduced herself, giving her a short glare as Abby smirked back. Mouth emptied, Julian wiped his greasy hands on one of Abby's serviettes she handed him, then shook hands with them. Great to meet you both. I used to come into the Red Lion many years ago, which is why we popped in tonight. I don't think you were the owner then. No, only just bought the place, actually. Bit of an investment to add to the business portfolio. Victoria, it's my birthday today, 40th, and Abby and I have been uh, celebrating and doing my etchings. So tonight we thought we'd finish off with a bit of a bash. Drinks are on the house for the next hour and free kebabs. And I am still your solicitor, I hope, he continued laughing. Abby said you would be coming. Great to see you both. I assume you have had a fruitful day around Osbrick Hall, Victoria. 
Very fruitful, she replied with a non-committal expression. Excellent. All final legalities are now prepared at my office. I've spoken to Evelyn, so any time you want to go ahead, up to you. Just let me know. Tomorrow? Super. Business concluded, he then turned to Julian. Now, Julian, I understand from Abby that you have an in-depth expertise on Victoriana and 19th century art, and are a writer too, which is absolutely fascinating. In the quarters behind the bar here, there are some interesting features and collections I would value an opinion on. Want to come through? He lifted the bar hatch. Love to, Julian replied enthusiastically, before looking at Victoria's face and adding, uh, Is it okay with you, Victoria? Of course, enjoy, she smiled, sensing a sooner than anticipated opportunity to have a little one-on-one -on -one chat with her best friend. Julian and Linton set off to the back, chatting tent of the dozen. Those two are getting on like a house on fire already. Sort of real men thing, isn't it? Abby chirped, knowing from past record that a volcanic grilling was about to explode. But in fact, Victoria, having now scraped herself off the ceiling and appreciating the fun, was feeling very relaxed, especially after the amazing day she had experienced was simply pleased to see Abby, throwing her arms around her with a quick and unexpected hug. Just good to see you again in the flesh, she chunted. That outfit's a bit sexy, sexy for a chef, isn't it? That's all Linton had behind there. I need to work on him, she replied laughing and relieved. Listen, I've just got one question. How did you know I was coming here? Victoria asked, genuinely quizzical. I won't put you off by saying I'll tell you later or anything else. Quite simply, I just knew exactly inside, later this afternoon. I don't know why, but I'm just heightened, you know, much more sensitive. I've tracked down stuff I need to understand too this morning, the Central Library. Linton has been a hoot all day. He's very amusing, seems to be, well, a bit besotted. God knows why, he's also a wizard, widower has a 19-year-old daughter at university, amazingly. Feels good, but I'm taking it slow and careful. He got damaged when his wife died. He's throwing his money about to compensate. You know. Anyway, Julian's quite a dreamy dish. How did you get on at Orsbrick? I knew from your face you were going last night, and you didn't need me. No problem. Yes, understand. Thanks. Much appreciated. Really interesting, actually. The place is massive. Needs much work doing, but I like it. I'm definitely going to sign up tomorrow to own it and go from there. Abby hugged her. That's super, Chuck. And Julian, what did he think? The same. He used to be a conservator for the National Trust for a time. Like a hobby now with his writing. He was very taken with it and... You saw her again, didn't you? And so did he. Victoria looked up startled. Yes, but how did you know? It could be the only explanation for why I'm suddenly heightened in psychic awareness. I dealt another row of tarot cards today, which confirmed it. For me, anyway. Julian has linked to Victoria. How, why or when, I don't know. But he is part of the mystery as are you. I don't think bumping into him was so random. More, 
how can I say it, suggestively engineered. By whom? That now is what I suggest the four of us need to find out. Look at the range of skills, knowledge and experience between us. An amazingly powerful intermix, isn't it, to solve? Well, the mystery, which I believe for all of us now needs in our own ways to be done. You're sounding scurry, Abby. Sorry, not meant to, but we all have a stake somehow, so let's all work together. I haven't said any more, obviously, to Linton. But once you sign that contract, I can test him out. He has more paintings and other textile art objects from Evelyn, all done in the period 1860 to 1900. I saw some of them, popped into his gallery in Southport before we got here. Now you mention it, we never saw any pictures on the wall, actually. Which, thinking about it, was a bit odd. That's because Linton has them all, and the few I saw tell even more of a story than the Rossetti on Evelyn's wall. You and Julian will need to see them. Rossetti? I will need to tell you that later and more about Evelyn. Look, they're coming back. I need to return to supervising the cooking in the kitchen. Whatever you do, both want to eat is on the house. Thanks, I really appreciate everything you've just said, and I agree. Time for the four musketeers to get to it. Excuse the pun, but much food for thought, isn't there? Definitely. Now, let's forget the serious stuff for the rest of tonight. Time for fun. Hey, you guys, she shouted to the two men walking back, animated, still in conversation. Got to get back to kitchen and kebabs, Linton. The folk singers have just come in. And you get the amplifier, speakers and mics set up over there for them and ask James to move those tables out the way at the front. Sure thing, Abby, he burbled back happily, taunting, turning to Victoria. She's hugely organised. Got all this lot booked and arranged this morning for me. And I need some of that in my life. Both of you order what you want from the bar. It's already on my tab. Looks like this place is going to get pretty lively in a minute, and Abby says she'll do some karaoke later. Victoria smiled, knowing that when he hears her Lady Gaga voice and dance routine, especially in a tight apron, any semblance of resistance left will crumble away. I'll just go and order your gammon egg and chips, and I'll have fish, chips and peas, bread and butter, and some more Belgian lagers. Nice end to a hard day's work, Julian. Definitely, he beamed, squeaked, squinting at the floor lights and rubbing his glasses again. A good sign. But Julian will have to drink her lager now, will have to drink his lager now because she would have to drive him home later. End of chapter.